0: So, we're going to get on our knees again. If you're at home, uh, I would ask you. Uh, I believe God wants us to humble ourselves in the presence of the Lord. Humble ourselves. We're going to get on our knees here. We already did before. We prayed as a group on our knees earlier. Uh, but I would ask you at home, if you're in your living room, get on your knees. Uh, If you're driving, don't get on your knees, Uh, just keep driving, but in your heart, get on your knees. And so wherever you are, we're going to do that here. Once again, I'm going to be silent for about 30 seconds, and then I'll pray, and then I'll come back, and we'll get into God's Word together. So let's get on our knees before the Lord. I believe there's never been a time uh, that is more necessary than now that we humble ourselves. Let's do this together. 30 seconds of silence, and then I will pray, and then we'll get into the Word. Lord, again, you say in your word, if your people who are called by your name would humble themselves, Lord, we see many times in scripture that your servants would lay prostrate before you. They would fall on their face and and ask for your mercy, ask for your grace. Jesus, we know that you loved us because you shed your blood, but you've called us to humble ourselves, which we'll look at this morning in your word, and we just, we humble ourselves, we ask that you would cleanse and forgive us. Lord, we might be saved and born again, but we still have sins and iniquities we can't even see. But you can see them, and we thank you for grace. We ask that you would cleanse us. Everyone that has already been saved, you would cleanse us and purify us. Lord, make us more humble. Our nation needs you. We, we confess the sins of our nation, Lord. We, uh, whether it is killing unborn babies, whether it is Trying to change the definitions of what you have prescribed for marriage in your Word, whether it is uh, all the different things and the addictions and uh, just the idolatry and uh, Lord the blasphemy or the cursing and all the different things that we see on television and and just things that Lord uh, we just consider just well that's just the way uh, society is today, Lord. But you have called us to turn from our sins, and Lord, we do need your grace we need your healing we need you to uh, bring a cure for for this virus not only here but around the world but uh, even more than that we need lord your cleansing we need your forgiveness we need your washing we need your power lord we pray that you would pour out your spirit on your people we pray lord that you would open the eyes of those that are in darkness we pray that you would save many souls around the world we humbly ask lord that you would use your word not only in this message but all the online messages that are taking place in many languages, in many countries, uh, we pray for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit, that many people will come to Christ in all the nations of the world, for you so love the world. Uh, thank you for this time this morning. Uh, Lord, anoint it. Touch and strengthen and anoint me to share your word as you have given. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, welcome back. I was reading just uh, this morning, uh, turned to it, and David spoke these words in the song. He said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior. You save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Now, uh, I know the coronavirus is not an enemy, but Satan is behind death. He loves to kill and destroy, and so we need God's help, and so we must humble ourselves, and we must uh, say, Lord, we want to respond the way you've called us and asked us to do, and we're certainly doing that this morning. Well, we're, uh, I, this is a build-off of last week. Uh, I, I kind of have started a series. Last week was part one, if you will. Today is part two, and I'll do a, a third uh, perhaps next week, uh, but I may or may not. We've also got Passover season and Resurrection Sunday coming. So whatever the Lord lays on my heart this coming week, but nope, if it's a two-part series, then today would be the second. Uh, if it ends up being three, uh, I will know by Wednesday whatever the Lord is directing me uh, early in the week. But uh, if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, in your house, if you don't own a Bible but you're listening online or watching online, please. Uh, Use a Bible app. Bible gateway is a good one. Go to John chapter 1 uh, if you can. John chapter 1, the Lord led me to this passage and then I when he led me to this passage, I had forgotten that I had uh, read this passage on New Year's Day uh, and I had marked it all up in my brand new Bible. And uh, the person who sent this to me, you know who you are, thank you again. Uh, but I'd marked up this uh, new Bible. And, uh, and also, speaking of uh, thank you, people, thank you for those of you who have been uh, texting me that you're praying for me, and I pray you're praying for other pastors during this season. I appreciate the words of encouragement. I appreciate your prayers. They've been a blessing, and I know I'm talking to other pastors around the country. Uh, they, too, uh, feel that we have a great window of opportunity, um, and we covet your prayers, so thank you so much uh, for them. But... Um, Uh, We want to turn now in the Word to John chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 14, just reading verses 14 through 16, John chapter 1, and it says these words, and the Word, capital Word, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This is he of whom I said, he who comes after me, is preferred before me. And he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received grace for grace. What a statement. Grace for grace. Because grace builds, as we'll see in our study. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again that you sent your Son. Jesus, thank you that you came. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Thank you that you came full of grace and truth, not justice and truth, but grace. Lord, we know that to ask for justice is a foolish thing, but to cry out for grace is a wise thing. Thank you that you came. Thank you that you came full of grace, and your grace is is available to us today. Lord, open our eyes, soften our hearts, teach us, remove me, as it were, from the equation that we might hear from Jesus from this study this morning. May the saints be encouraged, many one lost come to know you as Savior, and it's in your name that I pray, amen. Jesus himself is the gift of grace sent from God the Father to our very fallen world. He is full of grace. He proclaims his grace. And he dispenses grace that none of us deserve. Long ago, when the world was even more rebellious and resistant to God than it is now, you might say, is that possible? Yes, it was. Although it all happened again, and it is happening. But long ago, when the world was in a horrible place with wickedness, the scripture tells us in Genesis 6, 8, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. First time the word grace was ever used in Scripture, Genesis 6-8. And we need that grace that Noah received just as much here on March 22nd as he did then. The need for God's grace often escapes our hearts and our minds. As the enemy keeps us busy and in motion... We're as busy as a -A Chick-fil-A drive-thru sometimes, aren't we? Well, not now, but normally, uh, the way the drive-thru there is. Uh, Life becomes a blur, and then God's grace is just ignored. And this happens with, with unsaved people, of course, but also believers, I think, ignore God's grace. I've ignored his grace far too often. Jesus said, the cares of this world, some important, some not so important, Drown out the gospel of grace and God's call to Himself. If we stop for a second and we consider, we can see this is clearly the case, can't we? That we we just sometimes, all those things of God's grace escape us. New Year's Day was 82, New Year's Day was 82 days ago today seems like eight years ago doesn't it but it's not even been a quarter of the year the tragic death of Kobe Bryant and his daughter and seven others it seems like ancient history it was eight Sundays ago from today eight Sundays ago the earthquake in Puerto Rico the raging fires of Australia the volcanic eruption in the Philippines, the tornadoes that ripped through the Midwest and Tennessee, the locust swarms tearing through Africa and parts of the Middle East, and even the nonstop impeachment hearings, those were all part of the first 82 days of 2020. But all those things have faded rather quickly from people's minds. Unless, of course, you're one of the ones still cleaning up after one of those natural disasters. And then there's the things like the Super Bowl, the Grammys, the Oscars, political primaries, debates, and a million other things that all took place in the first 82 days that have occupied people's minds before it gave way to the next news cycle, the next stuff of the day. And then there's everyone's personal commitments, relationships, hobbies, cares, school, kids' activities, responsibilities, some being fundamental aspects of life, and others just being self-imposed calendar overload. Already wreaked havoc in China. But then it began touching the rest of the world, little by little, touching the rest of the world. And within a five to ten day period, we saw the entire world come to a grinding halt. Shutdowns, lockdowns, quarantines, cancellations, social distancing. One report I saw, nearly 900 million kids have been pulled out of schools around the world. Financial markets tumbling, world leaders scrambling, fear and uncertainty rising. A host of otherwise important things suddenly became way down the list, secondary. Even elective surgeries, which in some cases are not so elective, have been postponed. Long lists of priorities suddenly have become much shorter. What I've noticed is that life itself became more important than trying to make life exciting and noteworthy. Life itself became more important. In the last few weeks, the world has changed before our very eyes. But God has not changed. Amen? God has not changed. His word has not changed. His call to humanity has not changed. And our need, my need, your need for grace has not changed. In fact, the unprecedented times of the last couple of weeks, well, they underscore our need for grace. They magnify our need for grace. Not all the other stuff that we try and acquire and juggle that's, what we, that's American. We, we acquire so much stuff. We need storage units that we never even see it. We try and juggle so many activities, and God says, Come to me, all you are weary, heavy laden. I will give you rest, which comes through grace. Noah needed grace, not a bigger house, not more stuff. His, his house is be, going to become a house boat anyway. He did not need a bigger house or more stuff. He needed God's grace. But Moses needed grace, didn't he? David needed grace. Israel needed grace. The disciples needed grace. The apostle Paul needed grace. The early church needed grace. We need God's grace. We all need it today at this difficult time. If you've never come to Christ, you need his grace for salvation. We'll all need His grace tomorrow, the day after that, weeks after that, months after that. But in our study, let's appreciate this morning what God has provided for us and accept His grace or return to His grace and let's collectively walk in His grace. You saw the title of today's uh, message, The Gift of Grace in Any Season, And this is a difficult season, but we're going to need God's grace in the next several weeks, more than you think. I think we're at the beginning of all this turmoil, just at the beginning. You will more and more be crying out to God for grace. But after this is all past, we still will need His grace. Grace will sustain us for a lifetime. Let me give you a definition of grace. If you've heard this word over the years, and maybe you're just kind of Not familiar with it or you've kind of taken for granted what you think it might mean, this is both the Greek and the Hebrew understanding of it. Uh, Grace in the the Greek, it means charis, uh, in the Hebrew kana, but it's God's favor. It's God's goodness, His kindness, His goodwill towards us, leading to joy, not kind of excitement or it's leading joy is something that happens at the soul level no matter what the circumstances but it, it's god's goodwill it's like god bestowing his goodwill his goodness his kindness it means the same in greek as it does in the hebrew old testament new testament old covenant new covenant same meaning i'm standing here this morning only by the gift of god's grace you're watching online only by his grace. He has us all alive this morning. That's his grace. Let me explain that there is God's common grace, which many take for granted, and there's his saving grace, which I'll get into in just a minute. Uh, but God's common grace, it's like things like the sunshine. It's, it turned out to be a much prettier day than my weather app showed yesterday. It's, it's a beautiful day out there. I would actually be loving to do this uh, message outside like we did when we were in Israel But um, sunshine, the oxygen we're breathing, rain that falls on the earth, moonlight at night, starlight, all these things are bestowed on all of humanity. Everyone gets some of these forms of God's common grace. It's It's also referred to as general or universal grace. Westminster Dictionary of Theological Terms says, God's universal non-saving grace, in which ble- is God's uh, non I'm sorry. Let me read this. God's universal non-saving grace, in which blessings are given to humanity for physical sustenance, pleasure, learning, beauty, etc., as expressions of God's goodness. Okay, so it's the grace that we see in the natural realm. To receive God's common grace, we need only to be born. Millions, if not billions, do not wake up in the morning asking God, please allow the sun to rise. Most Christians don't wake up saying, please allow the sun to rise. We assume it's going to rise even if we don't rise. Jesus himself said in Matthew uh, 5.45, for he, being God, makes his, his son, by the way, it's his son, This kind of goes against any evolutionist or atheist, but it's his son to rise on the evil and the good, to send rain on the just and the unjust. That's God's common grace, universal grace. So God's common grace is a blessing, whether we recognize it or not. When something like a virus, though, or a disease or war springs up, because, and all these things are because of the curse of sin on a fallen world, same as the weeds you're pulling out of your yard. We immediately say in our minds, when we see big, huge things that are bringing the world to a grinding halt like this, or causing many to die, and fear, and sickness, we see these things, we say in our mind, this is messed up. Everything's out of order. You think it, I think it. Look, this is just a mess. It's chaos. But the grace we desperately need, and you know, that uh, common grace can't help in those situations, right? We see the chaos. We see the order. Sunshine, it's a beautiful day, and yet the problem of the coronavirus is still expanding no matter how beautiful it is outside. So when you think this is so messed up and it's out of order, that's true. And understand that someday, this is why we follow the Word of God, someday God will put everything back into order as it was with the perfection of creation in the garden. Someday there'll be no more diseases, no more viruses, no more wars, no more heart disease, all these things, no more AIDS, no more murder, all that will be gone, but... God will someday put it back in order. Right now the earth is groaning, the scriptures tell us. So it is messed up. But the world has still received many, many, many days of common grace that we've overlooked. Many people have had many gorgeous, beautiful days that they didn't realize were gifts of grace. And then when it's all blown up, everyone's like, hold on, this can't be but the grace we desperately need and is available to everyone it begins with the word belief it begins with belief another word for that is faith it begins with faith and it has to be asked for we have to ask god it's what john expressed here in john 1 and he says begotten of the father full of grace and truth, and of his fullness, we've all received grace for grace. This is not just John is not talking about here about the common grace, he's talking about a greater grace than the sunshine and the oxygen. Uh, what he's expressing here is this grace is through Jesus alone, through God the Father alone. Now, Paul builds on John's proclamation of grace through Christ and expressing the role of grace in the work of salvation. Moving from being born, which is common grace, we're born. You have a birthday. Mine was back in February. We all have a birthday, so you're born and you receive some bit of common grace, oxygen, sunshine, all of these things but then, moving from born to being born again in the Spirit is when our souls are reborn, and the forgiveness of sin takes place, and then we are prepared immediately for the rest of this life and all eternity, and we're given, our names are written in the land's book of life, and we have a home in heaven. This grace Paul speaks of in Galatians Chapter 2, verse 8, for by grace, there it is, for by grace you have been saved through, there's that word faith or belief, faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Once again, uh, we're talking about grace being a gift. You can't buy grace. You can't create grace. You can only receive grace. has to be of grace. We can't clean ourselves enough to be presentable to God. We can't even humble ourselves enough. We still need grace. We definitely can't save ourselves any more than you could right now uh, decide you're going to fly to Mars and back. Impossible. We can't save ourselves. We can't even help ourselves. We certainly can't wash and clean ourselves. Isn't this uh, a timely passage from Jeremiah? Jeremiah. For though you wash yourself with lye and use much soap. Our hands are getting dry now. We wash our hands so much these days, right? Uh, And though we use much soap, yet your iniquity is marked before me, says the Lord God. Very timely for me. We can wash the outside, but only God can wash the inside. We need a divine rescue. That's why John is saying he came down from the Father, full of grace. God brought grace down from heaven to earth. We need a divine rescue. We need someone, only one, the Son of God to come. Because whether it's coronavirus or any other virus, cancer or a car wreck, Alzheimer's or heart disease, or just you die simply of old age, saving grace covers our two greatest needs sin and death sin and death no one has to practice sinning we do it automatically nobody has to say I need to work on sinning I, I, I've just did. no you automatically will know how to sin and you won't have to work on dying your body starts heading towards the end date the second you're born so those two things we need no practice on they're, they're the curse that we're born in and under ever since Adam and Eve But saving grace covers these two great needs. Sunshine and rain, common grace, don't help them. They can't solve that problem. God's willing to give us saving grace, but we have to ask for it. And he tells us us the manner in which we have to ask. And by the way, those of you that are saved, you need the gospel message today just as much as if you've never heard it, because the gospel reorients us to our desperate need for the work of grace. And we're going to see that as we come in this last few minutes together. But if you're unsaved and you don't know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, he's calling you right now to receive saving grace. You've been receiving common grace for years. Every time you get to work on time or, you know, get, get home and, have a good meal. All these are just forms of common grace, but the saving grace, uh, we have to ask for it. He tells us how to ask for it. He tells us the manner in which to ask. First and foremost, the number one thing out of the gate is we have to believe God. We have to believe what he says. We have to believe what his word says. Everybody believes somebody, and everybody believes in something. They either believe in themselves they believe in books they've read, they believe what Consumer Report says, they believe what this magazine or this article, but Jesus, his truth is above everything else. So we have to believe what he says, we have to take God at His word. We know, almost everyone knows this verse, even if you don't know any verses, most people will know this one. That God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son which was a gift of grace. That's what John's speaking of in John 1. Same author, John 3. John 1, same author. He's saying grace. Grace bestowed the Son to the earth. To whoever what? Believes. We have to believe the message of the gospel. We have to believe the gift of grace. Jesus is the source or means of grace. You may have seen this acronym before. Uh, in your life, God's riches at Christ's expense. Because God gave his son in grace, and Jesus came full of grace, but Jesus had to empty his body of blood and die and suffer that grace could be afforded, given to you and me. It was all, grace doesn't cost us anything, but it cost Jesus everything. God gave his son and his son gave his life. So again, we must first fully believe. We must believe in the message of Christ, believe that we're sinners, believe that we need to be cleansed, believe that he's the only way to eternal life, believe that he's the way, the truth, and life, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But also, second, part and parcel, we have to humble ourselves to do this. They go hand in hand. Uh, James 4 6 says, But he gives more grace. Grace for grace. He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud. It's one of the hallmarks, sadly. I, I, I love our nation. I'm glad that I was born in America, Annapolis, Maryland. You know, it's 1969. I'm glad I was born here. Uh, we have so many blessings. But, We also have a lot of pride, pride, self, you know, arrogance. But to come to Christ, we have to humble ourselves and say, Lord, I'm desperate. I need your grace. I believe in Jesus. I know you're the only way. That belief and humility, they go hand in hand. We must bow our hearts and our knees to salvation and receive God's grace, as salvation is on God's terms, not ours. God's terms. We, we, we don't define salvation. We simply humble ourselves and believe in it and say, Lord, please give me your grace, your, your forgiveness. And because it's on God's terms, hence grace is needed. But I want to tell you, as we come to a close, grace doesn't end with salvation. I'm glad I got saved and gave my life to Christ in June of 1995. Me and my wife walked the the aisle, and we, we, we received saving grace in June of 1995. And by the way, in the next couple of months, uh, I pray, I was 25 years ago. Right now, 25 years ago, I was two and a half months away from being saved. 25 years ago, the Lord had I was praying. I was talking to the Lord, and I was out doing a run, and it just popped into my mind. It was like God reminded me, 25 years ago right now, you were lost, but you were only two and a half months away from being saved. And then I started to think, wow, I would have never guessed 25 years ago, exactly 25 years ago, I got saved. And here we are 25 years ago, this coronavirus has shut down the whole world. And I was like, Lord... I pray that many are two and a half months or less from coming to know you as Lord and Savior. Because I was not in Christ. I was still in the world, still lost, still without Christ. But I was two and a half months away from getting saved. And on that day, me and my wife received saving grace because we bowed, we walked forward an altar, we bowed before the Lord, we humbled ourselves, and we believed in the message of the gospel. We believed that Buddha couldn't get us there. We believed that Our good works couldn't get us there. We believed that only Jesus could save us. We believed that we were uh, more sinful than we probably understood. Anything Jesus said, we believed it. We didn't understand it all. God doesn't even ask you to understand it. He just says, believe. Blessed are those who believe. But we also humbled ourselves. We were like, we just bowed and tears coming down. Lord, please save us. And so that humbling and that believing go hand in hand. But grace is what we receive. Now, that was 25 years ago, and I've been walking in grace ever since. And I want to give one final bullet point if you're taking notes. The guarantee of grace, because we come to Christ and we receive saving grace. And God's saving grace covers our greatest need. Again, sin and death, that's, that's the greatest need. The covering of our sins And the saving of our souls, that prepares us for eternity, that saving grace. But even if you're saved, you're watching online, this Calvary Chapel is your church, or you're born again, you already, uh, or you live somewhere else, and you've been walking with Christ. uh, Even if you're saved, we're in a war zone of a world. And we need grace not only to survive, but by the Spirit to flourish Um, I don't think we have any idea. Can you imagine, I was thinking about this last night. I believe that there is spiritual warfare right now in the heavenlies that would blow our minds right now between the forces of heaven and the forces of Satan. I mean, Satan is, is causing upheaval to the whole world. And while God is saying, believe on my son, believe on my son, believe on my son, believe on my son, Satan is telling people, chill out, just think about Netflix, just think about this, just, you know, just do this, do not, everything's going to be fine, don't think about anything, play more music, walk your dog eight million times, do this, eat better snacks, whatever you can do, just don't think about God. And God is saying, but I'm coming with grace. I'm offering you grace. And the spiritual forces, the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And so there's a spiritual warfare that we can't see, and it's a battle for not really a cure, but the souls of men. Although we're certainly praying for a cure, that's part of God's grace as he does many of these things. He provides doctors, physicians, and help. But we're in a war zone of a world that we can see, but also one we can't see. And so we need God's grace to plow through to make it through. You ever seen an icebreaker in the, uh, in the North Atlantic? They've got, sometimes the ice will be incredible, and they just slowly, it's amazing, they just move through that massive, and the ice just parts. And that's what grace does with us as believers. I got saved 25 years ago, but I didn't stop there. The next 25 years have been hard at times. Can I get an amen from those of you that are saved? It's not easy once you come to Christ. You need just. You needed saving grace, but now you need sustaining grace, sanctifying grace, cut through the ice grace, get through the fires kind of grace, not fall away kind of grace. Our bodies, just just our bodies alone, everything that we do in the Christian life would be impossible without the grace of God. Our bodies are falling and failing falling apart little by little over time. Those of you that are older, you've you've come to realize this. You and Tylenol are great friends now. To whatever detriment that's doing. But at least it it knocks off the arthritis thing. Or, you know, whatever it is, you can't eat certain, I can't eat after seven anymore. Or whatever it is, you know that the body's fading. But grace, it never fades. It actually gets richer in us. God guarantees not only saving grace, but sustaining grace, prevailing grace, victorious grace. No matter what the season, this season, economic crisis, collapse, whatever it is, God says, my grace will be there for you. Romans 7, 18 tells us just how much, even after salvation, we desperately need God's grace. You should be able to relate to this. Paul says, for I know, Paul was, I think, a lot more spiritual than I am. I know that in me, that is my flesh, nothing good dwells. How about that? Paul realized that even after following Christ with all of his heart, he was still a mess. He still needed grace, grace for today. The Bible says even our righteousness is what? Filthy rags. We need sustaining grace. We need daily grace. We need minute by minute, second by second grace. Furthermore, Uh, Again, we have not only the spiritual warfare that's going on in the heavens, but we have an enemy that fights against us. Can I get an amen on that? We We have an enemy that fights against us. Satan will fight against your walk with Christ. He will fight against you. He will bring temptations. He will bring trials. He will bring difficulties, fears, depression, whatever it is, anxiety, all the things. Satan will bring all these things against us and against our walk with Christ. And as the world spins more and more out of control, the enemy wants us in fear or in doubt or in apathy or in guilt. And God says, but I still provide grace to wash all that away here on Sunday the 22nd, tomorrow on Monday the 23rd, Tuesday the 24th. But grace, the grace of God by the Spirit of God, it empowers us to grow in spite of all the opposition and to live against the darkness of this world and against the grain, you're kind of going against, you're going upstream like a salmon does. You know, you they make it all the way back, and we can do that only because of God's grace. You know, Paul wrote in Titus chapter two verses eleven and twelve, for the grace of God that brings salvation. That was the starting point of our grace. The grace of God that brings salvation. That was our greatest need, sin and death. But the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Now here's This second part is only for those that are born again. Grace teaches nothing to the lost person until they first receive saving grace for salvation. But then it goes on, and this is where you live if you've come to Christ, teaching us. Remember Jesus in the Great Commission, teaching them. right? Not just baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, but then teaching them. It's grace that teaches us to deny ungodliness, to resist, well, everyone's doing it, well, that's the broad road. We no longer go on the broad road. We're on the narrow road. we the pilgrim's progress. The more narrow road, we resist worldly lust, and we should live soberly or right-minded, righteously. In other words, following the footsteps of Jesus, godly in this present age, in this crazy present age, in this painful cre- present age, we have grace that saved us but now trains us. This sustaining power is not of us. You don't have that kind of power. You can only plug into it and receive it. Jesus said that apart from him, we can do nothing. Nothing means nothing. Remember, he alone is full of grace. And he gives it for salvation. And then for the journey of life, he gives it for our sanctification, our sustaining are persevering. I love this. You know, John Newton wrote the song Amazing Grace, and I haven't quoted this in a while, but I thought it was appropriate given uh, the context of what we're looking at. He says, I am not what I ought to be. Now, it, now here's former slave trader radically saved God did an amazing work in him and we still sing that song it's sung in virtually every language of the world but he says I am not what I ought to be I am not what I want to be I am not what I hope to be in another world but still I am not what I once used to be and by the grace of God I am what I am by the grace of God that's why he wrote amazing grace he recognized that not only saving grace but that grace to carry us from the point of salvation to the point of seeing Jesus face to face and hearing, Well done, good and faithful servant. Charles Spurgeon said, Between here and heaven, every minute that the Christian lives will be a minute of grace. Do you believe that? Every minute you live is a minute. The rest of the world's getting common grace. If you know Christ, you're getting more than common grace. You've received saving grace, and now you're receiving. Sanctifying, sustaining grace. There are times when we will be overwhelmed. I have been overwhelmed last few weeks several times. Lord, dropped to my knee. I don't know what to do. There's times when we'll be confused. There's times when we'll be perplexed. There's times when we'll be afraid. That's part of our human condition. There's times when we'll be concerned. But if we're surrendered to Jesus and we're leaning on His everlasting arms. Will open His Word. His grace will call out to us. We'll cry out in prayer, and His still small voice will settle us and lead us. He'll lead us, and He'll forever be sufficient for us. Always sufficient. No matter what the difficulty. No matter what the trial. No matter what. Well, what if? What if I get the coronavirus? Okay? Jesus is still in control. He still has grace. He told Paul, He said, My grace is sufficient for you. You know? I, I pray that anyone listening that gets, doesn't get it or gets minor symptoms, but if you had to go to the ICU, maybe ICU, maybe He wanted your grace or His grace to shine through you. And maybe someone gets saved because you say, no, 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 I'm not worried about I'm trusting in the Lord, his grace, his persevering grace. It's sufficient. It's sufficient for our weaknesses. It's sufficient for our fears. It's sufficient for calamities. It's sufficient for maladies and disease. And Paul said, and in it all, he said, because of grace, I can even exalt or boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ would rest upon me. Brother and sister, if you're saved, right now we're calling on God's grace. Amen? We need His grace as much more than ever. He's promised His grace in every season. He said, even the gates of hell will not prevail against my own. Isn't that great to know? Because of His grace. We are covered in His grace. We're drenched in His grace. But we have to stay humble as believers. We have to continue to humble ourselves and say, Lord, Wash me, cleanse me, renew me with this grace. Yes, we're saved, but yet, Lord, and grace, I want to grow. Next week, the last one I think I'll be teaching on next week is that we're growing in this grace, that we're that we're seeing us flourish in spite of, not just barely surviving, but really like Paul, and all of his weakness, infirmities, and all the things that came against him, he was planting churches, nothing. He was ahead had that indomitable spirit that comes by grace he promises his grace no matter what to give us hope to give us salvation to start with but to allow us to continue to steadily move forward in the confidence that god has us you know the words amazing grace how sweet the sound it saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. was blind, but now I see. We know that that's the saving grace. But I love the second part. This is this, this other, I, can't, I think it's like the third stanza. But this part is that grace that continues post-salvation. My, my 25 years since 1995, the Lord has promised good, good is another word for grace here, to me. The word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. If we're alive and we know Jesus, we're getting grace for grace. He's full of grace. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we, th- we cannot thank you enough for grace. Lord, I certainly didn't deserve it, June 1995, but you called me by name. And Lord, I know that just the brothers that are here this morning, those that are online that have received your saving grace, Lord, we had to humble ourselves. We had to bow before you. We had to confess our sin. We had to believe in the name of Jesus. But with that, you bestowed grace and mercy and forgiveness. And we're so grateful for saving grace. But Lord, we need your sustaining grace. Lord, we get tired. We get weary. We, uh, we get afraid. We get worried. All of these things, we uh, don't know where to turn. And then you speak with that still small voice and you say, my grace is sufficient. Not saving grace, but that grace that sustains us and allows us, Lord, to have peace in the midst of a storm. And I pray that you would pour out your grace, that you'd wash us and cleanse us, empty us, that we'd humble ourselves, but you'd pour out your grace on the body of Christ. And Lord, we would know, we would say not just a verse, but it would be deep within our soul, we would be able to say with Paul, that grace is sufficient, and the power of Christ is resting upon me and flowing through me. Lord, that you would use us as vessels of grace to those that have not yet tasted grace. They've not tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And so, Lord, I ask that you would open up the eyes of those that have not received your saving grace and, Lord, that you would refresh and renew those that have received saving grace but, Lord, have forgotten that they need that grace day by day, minute by hour, minute by minute, hour by hour. And before we close in prayer, we're going to close with two worship songs. We're going to play one online, and then Tawan's going to come back up and, and lead us. And it is well with my soul to close out our service. So we'll have two uh, worship songs. And one we sang earlier. You'll be able to know the words because we sang it earlier. And maybe in your home, you can stand in your living room and sing. But before we do that, uh, I'm speaking to those of you online. I know all the men that are here. I know they're born again. They've come to Christ. But I'm speaking to online. And maybe we have a visitor that's never received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Remember that it starts with believing the gospel, believing that you need Christ, believing that you're a sinner, believing that you need to be cleansed and forgiven, and believe on the name of Jesus for your salvation. If that's you, and you're at home, and you've never come to Christ, you've never received the saving grace, I'm going to ask you right now, wherever you're at, uh, either stand up or kneel down, whichever the Lord speaks to your heart. Just wherever you're at in your house, either stand or kneel, whatever it is. If you stand, maybe you put your hands out. And if God is speaking to you, and by the way, if you receive Christ, I pray that you send us a note at questions at calvarychapelrva.com. But if you are uh, feeling the Lord, sensing the Lord uh, calling you to a place of humbling yourself and asking for salvation, asking for his grace, asking to be cleansed and forgiven that your name would be written in the lamb's book of life and that whether it was coronavirus or cancer or anything else, you're prepared if you died tomorrow. Every single person listening to this message, we are all we all have less time to receive Jesus when this service started. We all have less time to receive Jesus about an hour and 15 minutes less now to receive Christ than we did when the service started. If you know Christ, you have about an hour and 15 less to be f- taking up your cross and following him and being a disciple. We all have less time, but you still have right now if you're alive, you can receive God's grace, and I pray that you will. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you either stand or kneel, just pray from your heart, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming and living and preaching and then giving your own body and your blood and dying on the cross for my sins and then rising from the dead and conquering sin and death and Satan. Lord, thank you for coming to pay the penalty for my sins. Lord, I am guilty. I've sinned against you far more than I know, but I ask that you would wash me and cleanse me and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in the land's book of life. Jesus, I'm coming to you. I'm putting my faith and trust in you. I believe in you. I'm humbling myself before you. I've decided this day to follow you as my Lord and Savior. Accept me. Wash me by your blood. Grant me this saving grace. And thank you that you are not willing that any should perish, but you're calling me by name.